Well, hey, it is uh, great to be together again. Uh, it's great to see each one of you out here. Uh, uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Josh. Uh, I have the honor of being one of the pastors here at Reality. And uh, just great to worship with you today. I I'm excited to continue this series um, that Elton described for us, the series on hearing God's voice. Uh, we've been in the series for a minute. We're kind of moving towards the end. Uh, for those of you who've been kind of tracking with us, uh, Ali, Pastor Ali kicked this off uh, a number of weeks ago now uh, with really an argument that each one of us are made for a conversational relationship with God. That we as Christians have a birthright, have an opportunity not only to to leave voicemails in the cloud, if you were, or just learn things about, about God from Scripture, but, but that we can enter into, we can experience uh, God speaking to us and, and have an interactive relationship with Him. And then uh, Mandy, a few weeks back, uh, helped us to, to really dig into one of the main obstacles to experiencing this kind of relationship with God, which is how fast our lives move here in Boston. Man, there are just a lot of things going on. And it's so, off, so easy to, to move quickly and, and to actually just miss what God has for us if we don't slow down. So we were encouraged to, to slow down, to make space. And then over these last couple of weeks, we have been exploring some different ways in which um, God speaks. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit uh, communicates. One of my, uh, I wish actual mentor, really, but feels like a mentor by way of, of books and writing to me, is a theologian named Dallas Willard, uh, who uh, spoke about how the, the Holy Spirit communicates through what he described as three lights, three lights. And he described these lights as um, the, the circumstances of our lives, uh, Holy Scripture, and then impressions of the Spirit. And uh, maybe you noticed two weeks ago we talked about the circumstances of our lives and how God speaks through those. Last week we looked at Scripture, and this week we are looking at impressions of the Spirit, impressions of the Spirit. Um, now, impressions of the Spirit could simply be a, a word or a phrase that pops into your head. Uh, maybe you've had an experience uh, where someone came to mind who you hadn't seen in years, and then later on that day, for no apparent reason, your paths crossed, right? Or you've had this, this feeling in your gut that you should talk to somebody, or you should do something, or shouldn't do something. Oftentimes, we have these impressions, whether we would describe it as our conscience, our intuition, uh, but we have uh, this sense that, that, that something is going on, that we ought to do something, or we ought to move in some way. And in our text this morning, here in John, uh, we, we find that in verse 26, that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus says, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So in this, in this amazing text in John, which has a ton of wonderful stuff in it that we're really not going to unpack fully today, but, but we see Jesus saying, hey, I'm not going to leave you alone. Even though you, my disciples, we've been walking together, journeying together, I've been giving you kind of instructions and guidance and direction over the course of these past three years, I'm about to peace, but something else is coming. The advocate is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. And, and this Spirit sent from me is in sync with the Father, just like I am. He'll be in sync with me. And if you stay in sync with us, uh, we'll communicate. There'll be this channel, this line of communication where you can hear and follow my voice. So the Holy Spirit is going to be with us, even in us, guiding us, teaching us, helping, reminding. Now, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I wish Scripture, I wish Jesus would have like 
put different things in the Bible than he did. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. So if, if, if this was me here, if I was like, you know, if you could have scripture on demand, like order, I would have probably said at this point, okay, great. Can you break down exactly how that's going to happen? Like how, how exactly do I know when this is you speaking and when, frankly, this is the burrito that I ate yesterday and is still working through and I just have some kind of sensation in my gut over here, right? Uh, because there are, there are times when we have intuitions, when we have sensations, and this is where it gets complicated. I believe that at times that's from the Holy Spirit, and at times that's just the burrito, right? It's just an intuition. So, unfortunately, Jesus does not, at this point, go through and break down a, like, recognizing God's voice for dummies. Um, so, I'm going to try and patch together, piece together from a few different places in Scripture some of the characteristics of God's voice, some of the things that we can pay attention to as we're attempting to recognize and to make sense of, is that you, God, right? Is that you that's speaking to me right now? And the good news is we have some guidance. The bad news is, is that nothing I'm going to tell you today is foolproof. I'm sorry about that. Um, a while back, I found myself at a crossroads in one of my relationships. Uh, there was this friendship that had been super important to me. Um, but my friend over the last few months had been showing up in ways that were honestly really disappointing and hurtful. Like, I had a lot riding on this relationship. It was uh, somebody that I cared about a lot. And, and because of our history together, I felt like there were a series of things that, that I could count on this person for. Like, I, I had some expectations in the relationships. And, and, and not all of that was just made up on my end. Some of this is stuff that we had, like, explicitly agreed to. But my friend, you know, wasn't living up to a lot of these things. Things felt pretty one-sided. And I was torn about what to do about it right? Part of me was like, you know, I'm kind of conflict avoidant. I don't really like having those hard conversations. And so part of me was just like, you know, just let it ride. Just accept it. It is what it is. But I knew if I did that, that, you know, the relationship wasn't working great right now. I figured it would kind of drift, right? That, that it would be less than it, it might have, than it was at one point and than it might could be. On the other hand, there was this option to, to press in, to have a bit of a fierce conversation and, and talk about kind of what was working, what wasn't working, and, and, and what I was longing for in our relationship. And so I prayed about it, and I, I thought about it, and, you know, I wasn't quite sure, but I had an intuition that I should press in, that I should have the conversation with my friend. And so I did. I, I, I came to my friend, you know, after thinking about it, writing stuff out, you know, I came and I said, like, hey, here's the experience I'm having. Here's what's not working for me in our relationship. Uh, and this is, this is really disappointing. I want more with you. I, I, you know, I'd love for this to be the case, but right now this is the case, and it, it, it seems like we're on a, a trajectory towards some, some stuff. If we keep going this way, it's not going to be great for the relationship. I shared all of that information with my friend with the hopes that it would be a useful course correction. And this was one of those conversations where, you know, you did your best, probably didn't do it perfectly, and it just doesn't go the way that you hoped. My friend was really hurt. Like, from their perspective, they were doing literally everything they could. They, they were overwhelmed in their life. And, and if anything, they expected from me some more empathy, like some more patience, some more uh, appreciation. And so when I came in and said, hey, here's the stuff that's not working in our relationship for them, regardless of my intention, it just landed as like more expectation, more shame, more inadequacy on top of what they were already feeling. And they didn't handle it well. 
they got really angry. They pushed me away and lashed out, and that relationship was pretty badly damaged. We've made multiple attempts to repair stuff since, but the relationship has never really recovered. I had an intuition. I had a gut instinct, and, and I tried to do what I thought made sense, what I thought the Spirit was leading me to, but I was wrong. Maybe you found yourself at some point or another in a similar situation. Perhaps it was a move that you made, or a school you decided to go to, or a relationship you decided to enter, or, or, or one of a thousand other things, but you made a decision, something that you, you felt was the right decision. You'd thought about it for a while. You maybe even prayed about it and really considered, and, and you had this sense that, like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the thing that God would have me to do, but then you found yourself in a place flat on your face where clearly it didn't pan out in the way that you had hoped. And I know from my own experience that these, these instances are, are really painful. They're really disorienting, right? Both because, on one hand, we just we had a conversation that we shouldn't have had, or we made a decision that we shouldn't have made, and, and then we end up with the consequences and the pain of things not working out how we would have hoped. But not only that, layered on top of that is also this, man, like, did God really speak to me? Like, does, is God really speaking at all? Did I hear him correctly? Like, what the heck, God? Like, did, did you lead me here, or, or am I off? can be a really confusing and disorienting situation. Is anybody else with me out here on this? Anybody else had this kind of experience? Hand, I see some hands. Thank you for being honest. I'm feeling a little vulnerable up here. Uh, it's a crappy place to find yourself in. So what's complex here is that while God can and often does speak through what we describe as these impressions of the Spirit or our intuition, that not everything that we intuit is true or trustworthy, much less from God. Nobel laureate and psychologist Daniel Kahneman explains that intuition isn't some magic power. In fact, he explains that, that intuition is really nothing more than pattern recognition. Uh, Kahneman goes on to explain that there are two systems or, or tracks in our brain, kind of a, a, a slow track system and a fast track system. And the slow track system is, is the domain of, of language and words and ideas and verbal communication. It's where we make sense of things. It's the part of our brain that animals don't have biologically, right? It's, it's the, the place where we really grasp concepts. But then we also have this right track, this, uh, or fast track is probably a better way of describing it. And this fast track moves faster than the speed of conscious thought, right? It's, it's not verbal. It, it shows up with images and intuitions and impressions. And very often when we have uh, an image or an impression coming to mind, like biologically, physiologically, what's going on is, is this, this fast track system in our brain is recognizing a pattern, and the fast track is great at that, right? So it's pulling back from memories that we had, experiences that have occurred, things in the past, and it's saying like, oh, this thing that you're facing right now looks like this, this, and this thing. Now, we, we can't put this into language. We usually don't know what's happening, but pop, we just get an image or an intuition or a sense that that person seems off, right? Or, 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 or maybe we should do this. And very often the fast track is just, you know, it's just doing its pattern recognition, memory-based thing and saying, hey, in the present, do this or don't do this. And we just have this, this nudge, if you will, from the fast track of our brain. Now, here's where, here's where this starts to get complicated. Because we would all like to believe that our view of God and our intuitions of the Holy Spirit 
are entirely based on all of the wonderful teaching that Pastor Josh has given. And, you know, we, our deep study of Scripture, and nobody laughed at that. Not really. Um, you know, uh, we, we, we want to believe that, like, it's, you know, it's all very rational. It's very cognitive. Like, it's directly based on Scripture. It's directly based on hearing from the Spirit. But the reality is, is that that pattern recognition machine we have going on has been deeply formed not only by our experiences of God or true experiences of God, but it's also got in its memory banks how mom showed up and how dad showed up, and how they related to us, right? We start to have a sense of God being a certain way, and, and sometimes if we really press in, yeah, maybe that's consistent with Scripture, or maybe that's just like what we experienced in childhood. So we have these, these patterns that aren't always reliable, and unfortunately, the church doesn't always help, right? Sometimes we have experiences in church or experiences in community that have really— uh, pained us or grieved us or created some trauma or some hurt. And, and those two, as we're trying to intuit or sense or really hear God's voice, we have, you know, some words from God, but we also have these intuitions. And sometimes those intuitions are really helpful. They're not coming from nowhere, but sometimes they're not very helpful, depending on what our experiences have been. G, uh, Pete Scazzaro, another author that I love, uh, says that Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa is in your bones. Um, there's a reality here, right? The Spirit is trying to guide us, trying to speak, but we also have these other impressions, intuition that sound a lot like God's voice, and sometimes they're not actually coming from Him. Pastor Mac McCarthy shares a really helpful example that illustrates how this dynamic works. He describes a situation where he was counseling a couple, which we're just going to call Beth and John. And as Pastor Mac describes, this is in an article that he wrote, he, he, he describes this counseling situation. He's listening to Beth and John describe their conflict, and man, they are stuck. Like, things are not working. They are stressed out. And he can immediately just hear, like, all kinds of really unhelpful beliefs and stories and relationships. Things like, I need to absorb other people's anger in order to keep the peace, right? I can't say what's hurting me because it will ruin our relationship. Or if we get honest, bad things will happen. Pastor Mac, you know, he knows some things. It's, it's so much easier to see when it's other people and not yourself, right? So he's, you know, he's hearing these things. He's got a trained ear. He's hearing these things, and he knows those aren't, like, these stories are not good for you. This is not of Jesus. But they, they don't, they, you know, Beth and John, they don't, they don't actually sense what they're hearing. So Pastor Mac turns their attention. He says, hey, guys, what if we just listen to Jesus for a second about this dynamic? Can we, can we listen to him and, and see what he might have to say? So they go to silence and after a moment, John clears his throat in response. He says, well, I think we just need to do a better job at loving and trusting that God has a plan. We just need to do a better job. Like, they listen to God, and, and John comes back with, we just need to do a better job of, of trusting that God has a plan. Now, what do you notice about John's answer? All right, some of you are actually like trained therapists. Some of you aren't. Most of us aren't. But do you notice that, like, that's not exactly what Pastor Mac asked, right? Because Pastor Mac asks the couple to, to listen to God, and John responds with, this happens so much, with a self-improvement plan. Like, he's got the, all the solutions, all the things that they need to do. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this dynamic place play out in relationships, because I'll ask folks, what is God saying? And, and, and instead of really listening, what, what lands instead is a bunch of shoulds 
and oughts, right? A bunch of uh, demands and rules and things, you know, all the places where I'm not living up to that thing that I should be doing shows up, right? And, and if they actually pause and listen to it, it sounds, man, it sounds a lot like my dad, right? It sounds a lot like that church I grew up in. And, and the problem with uh, what I like to call shooting on yourself, okay, with, with dropping all of these, these oughts and these shoulds, all of these all of these demands of ways in which we should be different and ought to be different and should be showing up differently, is that it's, it's a bit like um, what Pastor Mac describes as a, a treadmill of self-improvement. Now, I don't spend a lot of time on the treadmill. If I'm going to run at all, I would much prefer one of the many trails around here. Some of you may run on a treadmill, but I've run it on treadmill enough to know that it's usually a solo endeavor, okay? If you tried to run on a treadmill with someone else, it's probably going to be pretty uncomfortable. Like, it, it most likely won't work well, okay? One-person sport. But very often, I think when we, when we grab these intuitions that we might be confusing for the voice of God, what we're actually doing is we're, we're setting ourselves up for this self-improvement plan that is entirely dependent on our own energy and effort and willpower, and we're just going to willpower ourselves into doing things differently, doing things better. How many of you relate to what I'm talking about? Like, I have this internal conversation, right? And because you, and here's the thing, the stuff that you are noticing, it's not bad, right? It's not, you might not be wrong. Like, you probably shouldn't do that thing that you're doing, right? There probably is some truth to that, but it's so different from the voice of God, Right? Because when we, when we actually stop to listen to what Jesus has to say to us, it's very rare that we get a list of like oughts and shoulds. It's so interesting to me, over in Romans, um, Paul is talking about this. And if I can find where it says this in my notes, you know, uh, Paul, Paul talks about how there's a gentleness, a kindness, a forbearance, and a patience in Romans 2, 4. And, and in this context in Romans, Paul is actually talking about a moment of repentance, a place where repentance needs to happen. And yet he describes God's voice as one of kindness, forbearance, and patience. See, God doesn't usually pile on the guilt, but he leads with kindness. He brings awareness. His voice sounds differently than the voices that so often emerge from our intuition. And man, I am, I am thankful for that. Because the treadmill of self-improvement runs on these internal narratives of ought and should and effort, but the voice of God brings us into a different place, a place that actually allows us to see things, allows us to shift in ways that generate transformation. So what does God's voice actually sound like? If it's different from uh, the voices that we hear from just our intuition based in memory of, of caregivers or, or church communities, what does God's voice sound like? Well, there's three characteristics of God's voice that I want to just briefly note with you this morning. The first of those is that according to Scripture, God's voice is gentle. Now, many of you know the story in 1 Kings 19 where the prophet Elijah has been beaten down by both his internal conversations and also a queen who wants to murder him. And so he finds himself off in the wilderness at the end of the kingdom in a desert in a cave. And, and in that place, God manifests to him in all sorts of ways. First, we hear that there's, uh, you know, 
There's an earthquake, and there's thunder, and there's a whirlwind, but each time the text of Scripture in 1 King records that the Lord was not in those things. And then when Elijah finally does hear the voice of God, it's described as a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. You know, I, I don't believe that God's voice has to sound any particular type of way right? God's voice can sound like thunder if he wants it to. I've certainly had moments in my life where I'm going in a particular direction or doing something, and I get a sense that I believe, an intuition or an impression of the Spirit that I think is from God, and it pulls me up straight, right? It stops me full on in my tracks. God can speak with a booming and authoritative voice, but so often God speaks in a way that's gentle, in a way that's quiet, there's almost a quiet authority, like sometimes there's a speaking technique where if you actually lower your voice and talk more quietly that people are drawn in. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you have heard that, some of your teachers. Um, sometimes God speaks in that kind of a way. It's almost a whisper, right? That if we're paying attention to, we'll hear. But this is paradoxical because, as I said, not only, first of all, God's voice sounds differently, but not only is it gentle, but there's also an authority to it. There's an authority or a weight to it. Over in Matthew chapter 7, we read that the crowds were amazed at Jesus' teaching because he taught as one who had authority. And, you know, when when you talk to people who've been listening to God for a while or or read in scriptures, this theme of authority comes up again and again. There's a, a weightiness to God's voice. In fact, many people have described it as being almost self authenticating. Like there's something about it that. It's just like, oh, yep, that's it. I don't need to check it. I don't need to prove it somewhere else that I just know that there's a weight to it. There's an authority to it that lets me know that this isn't just a a passing thought, but there's something that I reverberate with, resonate with deeply, uh, an authority and weight to God's voice. So God's voice is gentle. It's authoritative. But the third characteristic that I'll offer you is that it's also peaceful. It's also peaceful. Here in our text, our primary text this morning in, in, uh, in John chapter 14, Jesus, in the same breath, promises the Holy Spirit and then promises peace. In verse 27, he says, peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. Now, you could make an argument that that peace comes from following, obeying the voice of God, and, and that's probably true. I've certainly experienced that in my own life, but there's also something about the voice of God, and, and again, this is hard to describe unless you've experienced it, but when God speaks, even if it's something that I don't like, even if he's telling me to do something that I don't want to do, somehow there's a peace about it. Somehow there's just a sense that, like, it's going to be okay. And, and, and so there is this characteristic of, of peacefulness. Uh, Paul suggests this over in Philippians as well. Uh, when he talks about um, <clears throat> that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus immediately after encouraging the Philippian believers to, to bring all of their cares and concerns to Christ, right? So there's this way in which not only when we, we share requests, but when God speaks, the entire interaction is often characterized by a peace that It's hard to understand. It passes understanding. Back in our text earlier in John, uh, there was this this bit about how the world won't recognize it. The world won't understand it. And and I'll admit that some of these things are hard to explain, hard to uh, categorize or, or put labels on. 
But I can tell you that very often when we do sense the voice of God, it'll not necessarily line up with what our parents or caregivers said, right? Sometimes not even with what we're expecting based on what we've learned in church, but, but God's voice will carry this, this authority and weight, and it'll be peaceful, it'll be gentle. All right, so here's a few characteristics that'll support you on your journey. Uh, but still, you may be saying, Josh, that doesn't feel like enough, <laughs> okay? I'm still not going to be sure if that's the burrito or not. Um, and fair enough. At the beginning, I described a story in which I got it wrong, right? And, and if you actually begin a practice of, of, of developing your ability to hear and respond to, to God's voice, there will be times, I promise you, when you think you heard something from God and you'll get it wrong, right? That happens sometimes. Um, but we're not alone. We're not on this by ourselves. And this is where I, I want to circle back and kind of tie things together that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks. Because, you know, two weeks ago, we talked about how God speaks through the circumstances of our lives. Last week, we talked about how uh, the Word of God is this canon or rule against which we can measure everything, any, any revelation that we think we're hearing. And, and not only do we have the canon of Scripture, but also we have uh, the, the standard or the rule of the supreme revelation of God in the Word that is Christ, right? So we've got both the book, the word of God, and the, the person as revealed in scripture, Jesus. And, and so we have some checks. We have some things that we can compare these things against. And, and not only do we have uh, some rules or standards that we can look back at and, and confirm that we're not off in left field, but also we can discern God's voice in community. In a room like this, I guarantee you that there's somebody here who's been listening to the voice of God probably longer than you have, or has some skills that maybe you haven't developed yet, has some experience that you haven't developed yet. The spiritual journey is not an individual adventure. It's not a trek that we take by ourselves. Whether we've gone to seminary or have all the education or experience or I've been on church staff, doesn't matter, right? The, the spiritual journey is one that we take together in community. And so one of the key resources that God has given us for discerning the voice of God, for recognizing his voice, is other believers who've been at this, who've been practiced at this. Uh, you can ask somebody in one of the groups that you're part of, a community group or a microchurch or an accountability group, and just say, hey, I have this sense. I have this intuition. It feels like maybe this is from the Lord. Does that sound like God's voice with you, to you? right? They can help. They can check that against Scripture with you. They can check that against the person of Christ with you. They can say, based on what I know about you, that seems like something God might say. Or maybe that sounds a lot like your mom right now, right? Mm -hmm. So we have these checks. We have these supports and resources that can help us as we, we practice this experience of discernment. But the last thing I want to really share with you this morning before we go to some actual experimenting is is that this is a practice. Uh, learning to consistently hear from and respond to God's voice is something that you get better at with practice. And this makes sense, right? Because we're using the word voice, but we're not mostly at least talking about actual sound waves moving through the vibrations of the air, right? God's voice is coming to us through intuitions, but like other voices, you can get to know them, right? Even before, once upon a time, there was not a thing such as caller ID that showed up on your, on your cell phone, right? And you could just get a call from somebody. Some of you are older, old enough to remember this. Maybe a vanishingly few of you, I'm not sure. But, uh, but, but some of you know the experience of, of picking up the phone call and hearing someone's voice and immediately knowing who that person is, right? 
You didn't need the caller ID, right? Because it was somebody who you spoke with regularly. You knew what that, even if they were sick, you knew, you recognized their voice. And, and that didn't happen all at once. That happened over a series of conversations as you got to know and, and became used to, became accustomed to the exact, you know, frequency, the tenor, the ways in which they spoke, their mannerisms. And in the same way, friends, I want to suggest to you that you can learn to hear and recognize the voice of God as you practice. So friends, this is a journey. It's a journey in which we have to experiment. Uh, There's no way to become really adept and competent at hearing the voice of God by listening to a bunch of sermons on it. You can't read a book and then be an expert at this. You actually have to do it. Like so many things in the Christian life, this is an actual practice that you need to engage in, a competence that you need to develop. But, But we have some guidance. You know, God speaks in a way that's authoritative, peaceful, and gentle. You have some checks that you can lean on. Scripture, the person of Christ, other people in community. And then I would say, try it out. Experiment. Better to err on the side of faith, you know, if you're not jumping off a bridge or anything wild, right? Oftentimes, if you have an intuition and you think that's Jesus, try it out. If he's given you something for another person, go in humility and say, like, hey, I just had this image pop into my mind as I was praying for you. And it seems like maybe God wanted you to know this and see if that resonates for the other person or if that person says, that's absolutely bananas. That makes no sense right now, right? That's feedback for you, right? That's helpful. And the more that we do that, the more adept we become at discerning, at recognizing when it's the voice of God and when it's just our intuition formed by one thing or another. All right, I have talked enough today how many of you are up for trying? Let's do some practice, okay? All right, so in this series, uh, we're trying to make this practical. So each week we've had an opportunity to actually put the stuff that we're talking about to practice in real time. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to uh, take just a couple of minutes and, and, and work through an exercise uh, called a meeting place practice. And this isn't foolproof. Nothing I've described to you this morning is foolproof. It's relational, right? So we're going to try it out. I invite you wherever your relationship with God is at, right? Whether you're at the very beginning of still exploring a relationship or if you've been with him for decades, our fundamental assertion in the series has been that God wants to speak to you. And so we'd invite you to just open yourself up to that, to consider it, to try it on this morning. So, um, One way in which we can access impressions of the Spirit is through what um, in the black church they like to call uh, our sanctified imagination, our sanctified imagination. And our sanctified imagination is just, you know, you could think of it almost like if, if your mind was a movie screen playing out before you, right? We can use our imagination to actually encounter not just thoughts of our own, but also the Spirit of God, particularly when we ask God and open ourselves up to it and say, God, will you speak to me? So the practice that we're doing today is, is based on some work by Brad Jerzak and Carl Lehman. Um, and as we enter in, I want to invite you to go ahead and close your eyes, or, or you could just lower your gaze to the floor, whatever you're more com- comfortable with. And go ahead and take a deep breath in. And you can go ahead and release it. One more time, let's just settle into our space, taking a deep breath in and a long breath out.
as we do this one more time, taking a deep breath in, just notice the things this morning that might distract you while we do this practice. Might be some sounds in the room. You might have one of those uncomfortable seats. Maybe you're hungry, too hot, too cold, or just even your own wandering thoughts. Whatever's going on for you this morning, no problem. Just notice it. And as uh, these things enter your consciousness, as you become aware of them, gently bring yourself back to your breath and to God's presence this morning. He is with us. So Lord, I pray, would you sanctify our imaginations this morning? Use them for a place to meet with your spirit. God, help us to hear your voice. Help us to be people who are marked by an attunement to you. We long to hear from you this morning. So keeping your eyes closed, I want to invite you to ask the Lord, is there a place this morning that he would like to meet with you in your imagination? Is there a place that he'd like to meet with you? As you ask God this question, just notice what comes into your mind and, and trust, if it doesn't seem wild, you know, trust that there might actually be from God. Could be a place that you've been once or many times. Might even be a place that you've only heard about or imagined. But again, Lord, is there a place that you'd like to meet with me this morning? If a specific place hasn't come to mind, you could just consider any place where you've experienced safety, peace, or joy in the past. Now, I want to check in just briefly for the sake of the exercise. You can keep your eyes closed, but if you do have a place in mind, a place in your mind, would you please uh, just raise your hand briefly so I have a sense of where we're at? All right. Seems like most people have something. Now let this meeting place become real in your imagination, in your mind's eye. Take a few moments to just consider, what do you see? What do you smell? What do you hear? How does it feel to be here? Take a few seconds and just imagine, what is this place like? Now I want to invite you to ask Jesus, God, why have you brought me here? Is there something you want me to know about this place? Why have you brought me here? Is there something you want me to know about this place?
Now I want to invite you to become aware of Jesus' presence in this place with you. We know that Jesus is always with us, but in your mind, go ahead and imagine that he's there in this place with you. Where is he in this place? What does he look like? What is he doing? Where are you at in relationship to him? So take a moment to consider Jesus' presence with you in this place. And now pause and just thank God for meeting you in this place. Thank him for whatever you're noticing or experiencing here. Just take a moment to enjoy being present together with God. I'm going to give you a few questions to ask. You could call these friendship questions, just like you'd ask a friend. So I'd invite you to just pray them and, and consider, just be open to whatever God might say to you. Notice what comes into your mind in response. It could be a, a word, an image, a gut feeling, but, but use these filters that we've just talked about. Trust that God might speak to you even now. First question, God, what do you see when you look at me? God, what do you see when you look at me? God, am I carrying anything I shouldn't be? Am I carrying anything that I shouldn't be? Is there anything in my life that I need to give over to you? Am I carrying anything that I shouldn't be? Anything in my life that I need to give over to you?
If God is answering that question and revealing something to you, ask a follow-up perhaps, uh, is there something you want me to do based on what you're showing me right now? Is there something you want me to do? God, do you have a word or picture for me to hold on to in this season? God, do you have a word or picture for me to hold on to in this season? And is there anything you want to say to me about that? Is there anything you want to say to me about that? Amen.